Let us pray. Jesus, you revealed yourself to the world so that all people might look to you and be saved. May we know the wholeness that you bring. Be our light in the darkness that we may not stumble and lift us up again if we fall. All this we ask in your name. Amen. One of the priest associates at Trinity Princeton always said, whenever you have the chance, you should preach on the epistle. So today is the day. But first, some stories. Last year, when I was attending the wedding of some old Baltimore friends at the reception, I was seated next to the cousin of the groom and his brand new fiance. And I had known this young man since he was a child, and he knew through the whole family friend grapevine thing that I was now a priest. So as soon as we sat down, he very excitedly introduced me to his fiance, and he said, we're getting married in the spring, but no church for us. My uncle is a judge, and he will marry us. I said, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Have you thought about what you will say to each other? Because it really is you all who are marrying each other. What do you need to say in front of all your friends and family as witnesses that will make the marriage real and binding for you? They replied, what a great question. We had not thought about that. We've spent all our time finding the venue and designing the invitations. In seminary, I worked as a chaplain at a local hospital, and one day I was called to the room of a man who had cut his arm very badly while operating an electric saw. His wife and his young son arrived just as I did, and I realized immediately when I saw the woman's headscarf that they were Muslims. So as you can imagine, the adults were not particularly interested in talking to me, the chaplain, beyond telling me what had happened about the accident. But the little boy, he was eager to tell me all about himself, about his pet rabbit, and to show me the book that he had brought with him to the hospital. My conversation with him distracted him for just a moment from worrying about his father, and it gave the parents a moment to talk privately. And then this past week, I met an older gentleman for coffee in town very early in the morning. We talked about my move to Concord to be here with you all, and in the midst of all the kind of polite getting-to-know-each-other chit-chat, he asked me, Why doesn't the church talk about sin anymore? This was the first time I had met this person. But we had a wonderful conversation about the story of Adam and Eve. And he just said, you know, I really, we have so many problems in today's world, and I want to understand them from the perspective of Christian theology. So not what I had expected so early in the morning. And not that I had any sensible answers, but there you have it. Three small stories, nothing earth-shaking, but examples, I hope, 
of trying to meet people where they are, of witnessing to the gospel through presence and listening, not hitting people over the head with words, but rather living a ministry of presence by witnessing to God's love in the most simple of human interactions. Meeting people where they are and trusting that God is present and working in those moments. I think this is what Paul is talking about when he says, I have become all things to all people. We know this phrase, and in our crazy, over-programmed, over-expectations, that's not the right word, but in the world we live in, we all try to be all things to all people, and I'm the first to tell you, it's impossible. You cannot be all things to all people, and I cannot be all things to all people. But the way Paul explains it is that he can relate to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to sinners, to the weak, not by transforming himself or pretending to be other than himself, but by meeting people where they are. He has a way of being authentic and grounded in the gospel. And that anchors him in his interactions with all different kinds of people. Think about it. As parents or teachers, we understand this in our interactions with children and young people. We answer their questions and explain things in an age-appropriate way. We don't change who we are as adults. But if our message is to be heard, we know we need to adapt the words or the explanation to meet the audience. Paul tells the Corinthians that he adapts his behavior and his message so that people will know that the gospel life is possible for them. That's the key, right? We want people to know that the good news is for them. Paul is so grounded in the gospel, so convinced of this good news, that he's not afraid to reach out to all kinds of people, listening to them, understanding their circumstances and their worldview. His charge to proclaim the gospel is not threatened by difference or fear. So Paul challenges us with this question. Do we relate to each other and to the world in ways that meet others where they are? Or do we as church sometimes set up barriers and expectations which suggest that people need to meet us? Even things as simple as how we dress for church, Whether we genuinely welcome families with young children to sit up front, very happy to see you here this morning. (laughs) Whether we introduce ourselves to newcomers or speak only to our friends at coffee hour. These perfectly human ways of being, don't get me wrong, may unintentionally be barriers and may communicate a message that people are welcome here but only if they do it our way. 
we be disciples? Consciously meeting people where they are. So that people who come here know and see from their own perspective how the gospel offers hope. So they know the gospel life is possible for them. Possible for you. Possible for me. Possible for all of us here in this community. We can never do this perfectly. Even St. Paul says, I do this, become all things to all people, so that I may save some. Even Paul is realistic about ministry. So in this year that I've dubbed the year of communication, community, and communion, how can we do our very best to meet people where they are? The new weekly window, which was emailed out on Thursday afternoon, is one small, very concrete way we are trying to reach you and others outside this time we are here together on Sundays. With the tagline, connected in faith wherever we are. We hope to stay connected with you whether you are wintering in Florida, staying home because of yet another icy morning, or driving kids to hockey practice. And listen to this part. It also gives you an easy way to share some good news by forwarding it to family and friends, colleagues and neighbors, you can say, look what we're doing at Trinity Church. Come and see that the good news is for everyone. This is my church, and I want you to know about it. We say we want to grow. We say we want more people connected to this community of faith, to this good news. So like Paul, we need to go out and invite people using the tools we have, meeting people where they are. Imperfect as our human efforts are, we, like Paul, can communicate the good news through our words, our actions, our presence, our listening, and by telling our stories of faith and hope. We reflect the hope the gospel offers when we live it ourselves, out there in the world. And here's some even better good news. We know the one who does meet us where we are without fail. In the incarnation, God meets us where we are in the person of Jesus. He is the one who can be all things, who is all things, because he is the creator of all things from before time. The prophet Isaiah tells us the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. All things. And that God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, meets us here at his table. He strengthens us with his body and blood so that we can go into the world to meet others on his behalf. May we go from this place with open hearts and open ears so that our words and lives proclaim the good news of the gospel 
to all those we meet. Amen.